0: Hello, this is Todd O'Brien, your host, and welcome to Evolve, the Entrepreneur Mindset.
1: Hi, I'm Sam Decker, and I'm feeling playful. My superpower is being middle-brained, which means I think equally on the left side, the logic, the analytical, as I do the creative and conceptual.
0: My guest today is the epitome of a successful serial entrepreneur. He has launched and sold multiple businesses, played amazing roles in founding companies like Bizarre Voice, Capital Factory, Mass Relevance, which was acquired by Spreadfast, Clearhead, acquired by Accenture, and many, many more. He holds multiple board seats and has active involvement in many of the up-and-coming technologies. He's the author of two how-to marketing books an investor, a mentor, and a pillar in the Austin community and beyond. Please welcome to the show, Sam Decker. Great to have you here today. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. You know, you work with a lot of companies that are growing and growing fast, and these founders, they hit certain milestones. And many of them kind of want to know these tactics and tips on how to get over those hurdles. But how important do you think their actual mindset behind that in achieving this is versus the knowledge of actually knowing what to do next
1: well i think everyone's gonna hit obstacles whether they're in a job or their ceo what what i noticed when i stepped into the ceo roles uh that i've had is that the highs are higher and the lows are lower so the mindset what happened over time is is that beta that volatility started to smooth out Mm. and so going through that experience and knowing that especially in the lows That you'll come out the other side of it and having, it's kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy where you can see yourself in it and you know that it's going to come through and you start to, to, to see past, um, the difficult times. And then the, you know, even on the highlights, a lot of entrepreneurs might raise a hundred thousand dollars from an incubator, or they might get put in the press and there's this false sense of success. I mean you should celebrate for sure because I think we we both had experiences where cultures did not celebrate success, mm-hmm. but you have to take it into the much larger picture. You have to look at things your company not as a feature, not as a product, but as a company. You got to look at your successes as a milestone along a, a much broader aperture. You know, it's if you think about doing a painting, if we use that metaphor, and you nailed one part of the painting, you're really happy with it, but you step back and you still have a whole canvas to work right. on, so that mindset above all, and having confidence through that that you're going to get to the painting, even though you know you have this one part, having that broader perspective, I think is an important part of the mindset,
0: yeah you know starting and running companies is really hard and you know, you're a super dude, but not Superman, right? So there were probably days where you got up like a lot of entrepreneurs and just, you wanted to throw in the towel. You wanted to, you wanted to, you know, shut this business down and do something else. And how did you get yourself through those times? And how did you, how did you get over the hump, so to speak, to actually get to the next um, part of that success of the business?
1: Uh, two things come to mind on that question. The, the first is the people around you. Um, quick little story. When we started Mass Relevance, it was highly predicated on a relationship with Twitter. And I went through months and uh, I think tw- I counted 1,200 emails, 20 visits <laughs> to San Francisco to negotiate a 60-page wow. contract with Twitter. At the end of it, I didn't feel good about it. I just mm. felt like we were in a really rough spot. Well, our first investor, Mike Maples at Floodgate, um, I sat down with him. I said, hey, look, I'm ready to give back the money if you want it because this is kind of scary. And he said, that's what that's what it's for. It's, for <laughs> it's risk. You know, let's take the blue pill and go down that path. And I think that encouragement helped me at that very low time. The other part is experience. And it's kind of what I said before. If you haven't had the experience of painting a painting, having gone through startups in the first third of my career, the ones that we're not talking about, you've never heard of, they right. don't exist. <laughs> all of that. And then going into Dell and having the corporate experience and sort of going through all of that absolutely helped me. As I went into starting companies, which is the more successful part of my career that you speak of now, <laughs> <laughs> but you go through a lot of experiences where they, they, they weren't successes, they weren't home runs, they, they companies you never heard of and that, you know, that you gained those experiences that will play out through those difficult times and yeah. getting through it. So you have a, a go back to that intellectualizing
0: kind of the emotional difficulties of being yeah. an entrepreneur. A bit like musicians who are really super popular and nobody really hears of their first few albums, which yeah. failed miserably, um, is what you're saying is it's a similar, similar thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you want to, um, get in on that, you know, uh, a little deeper, there are so many entrepreneurial biographies like take mm. Walt Disney and and yeah. look at all the failures someone like that has had yet had the ability to buy all of all of that land in Florida and build Disney World at yeah. some point. So something
0: <laughs> led him to that confidence to do that. Yeah. You know, you've done a a lot of really great things in your career. What are you most proud of personally? I mean, it's cliche, but I'm most proud of the family that we're building
1: mm. now. You know, it takes a, as much as it takes the experience through startups, and you look back on a 25 year career and 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 then play that forward. You also play back all that you've learned in your past and personal yeah. things, father, husband, friend. And so I'm most proud of sort of what we're creating now as a family and friendships and sort of the life ahead yeah. as, as much as I'm excited and playful on the entrepreneurial space. Yeah. But I just don't feel like I have like this burning need to prove something to myself or to others or c- to compare right. anymore. And it's interesting because I talk to entrepreneurs and they're so urgent about showing that they can be an entrepreneur mm. and
0: I could do something bigger maybe, but don't need to. Right. Yeah. And what lessons have you learned about being an entrepreneur and applied that to your relationships and your family and raising kids?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what I've learned is that all, a lot of the superpowers and skills I have in building companies are almost antithetical. Mm. to building relationships. Yeah. Uh and so that in itself is a great learning that what got me here won't get me there in terms of you know what you want out of life. <laughs> right. Uh this now we're going beyond the painting and going into the museum, you know. So <laughs> we're thinking about a, a lot of things as you think about your life and what you want and you think about the end goals and you work backwards. It's typically how I think about things, I reverse engineer them. And if I reverse engineer end of life, I start thinking about okay, what got me here, and the list making, and the execution, and the desire to achieve, and all of those things. There is a place in that because you can apply that to working on yourself and those kind of things. But when when you want a full life, you and and, and you go to the museum and you say I need all sorts of paintings and I need to paint them differently, you start to work on those things. And and so I think I think I approach myself and sort of development of self as much as I would development of a of a company. So mm. that that part serves me. Yeah. But what I need to develop are not the same skills. I will say one thing though, the the relatability and sort of relationships, whether spouse or kids or friends, there are some things I could have done better in mm. the first part of my career as an executive as in the CEO.
0: And tell me more about that.
1: I remember times when one of my other superpowers is being straight to the point. Like I'll get Mm. to the right answer very quickly and and say it without a lot of context or a lot of communication around it. And so when you have people close to you, um, you realize that you haven't fully contextualized where you're at emotionally or what's happening or what's coming next Mm. and those kind of things. The same is necessary as a leader in a company is to contextualize where we are in this journey as a company. What is our purpose and vision? Where are we at now? Where are we concerned? And then, you know, individuals, you start to say, you know, they're on their journey and you need to, as a leader, say, here's where you, I see you in all of this. And I don't, I just say, here's what we need to do. Here's go this, do this, boom. boom, boom, boom." And everyone's like, I don't see the whole painting. I don't see the whole picture. And and so just being more proactive on communicating that and leading people to where they're going is
0: helpful. Yeah, and giving people that context so they know where things are headed. That's and huge. Yeah. Really good stuff. We're going to pause for a minute and take just a short break. We'll be right back. Hello, Maddie. Hi, Todd. We're back. We have had some interesting conversations today.
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting. I like
0: conversations.
2: They're great. They're great to talk, but it's also great to listen.
0: It's a hard skill.
2: It's a hard skill. And I got to be honest, not everyone in my life is a great Uh listener.
0: Okay. Time to go deeper. Double click.
2: (sighs) I mean, my boyfriend, (laughs) I would consider it selective listening or selective hearing rather.
0: I think you're not alone in the relationship world.
2: I'm clearly not alone because something incredible called Listenly exists. And that proves that I'm not alone. So Listenly allows you to have a listening session with a mindfulness practice practitioner.
0: Okay, hold on. A listening session.
2: A listening session where someone-, someone you,
0: you can pay someone to, listen to, to you. listen to you.
2: It's genius. It's absolutely genius. Where
0: has this been all my life?
2: I don't know. It sounds like a version of therapy, but that is <laughs> much simpler almost. Yeah, it's just- yeah. Sometimes we just need to be heard. I think it's incredible. Listenly.co is where you can go to learn more. You can use it anytime. But for me, I'm thinking, when would I use it? Sometimes after I leave an interview and I walk back to my car and I shut the door and I'm just like, oh my gosh, what just (laughs) happened? And I call like the first 10 people in my contact book. And all I want to do is tell them all about everything that I feel like I did wrong or said really well in my interview. And it's usually during the middle of the workday and nobody's answering, not even my mom. So this is a perfect example of what when I would use listenly.
0: It's great that they talk about it's like actually being heard because there's a big difference between listening and being heard. Because you even said selective listening or just uh uh-huh yeah mm mm-hmm.
2: Or what about the people that are like seem to be listening, but they're really just waiting for you to stop talking so they can start talking. And you can tell like he's not listening to me, not even close. Yes. How would you use Listenly? Like when would be a...
0: I think I would use Listenly In I'm an introvert. Oh, you are. And sometimes I get in my tunnel for a long, long time. And after is when I really want to be listened to. Because then I have all these ideas and I have all these thought processes. I process things about myself. Right. So I could use Listenly and I could get a discount. We have a discount. It's welcome 20 is the code Mm -hmm. that you enter and you get a free or a, uh, a discount not a free
2: 20% off a
0: free 20% off of your first session with <laughs> Kyle and she's offered this to us so check her out at listenly.co All right we're back here with Sam Decker um what is your current entrepreneurial passion right now you you've got you strike me as a guy who probably have Tons of ideas in Evernote or on a pad, somewhere, <laughs> Google Doc, yeah. And you're constantly Google Docs, whatever, yeah. and you're constantly coming up with ideas. But what is really driving you right now? Well, I'm in terms of industry. I didn't
1: quite understand artificial intelligence or blockchain. What interested me was um, immersive reality, um, virtual reality, augmented reality. So a couple of years ago, I started a a firm called Fair Worlds. Um, with a partner to build immersive reality experiences. And mm. I recently joined a board called interplay learning, which does virtual reality training in the skilled trade space. And so I'm, I'm, I'm interested because it's so visual because it is, you know, all the big players are driving hardware. There, there's a lot of changes in the market. I like where there is a, a big wind, a sea, you know, sort of a sea of change happening in a space and riding, you know, the wind. If I use another analogy, yeah, it'd yeah. be, get in a boat and put up the sail and ride that wind. And so I'm interested in that. And I say I'm feeling playful right now because, you know, there's a lot of things I can take an interest in, and some may not be a VC-backed company. Some may be a hobby. Some may be a a lifestyle business. It may be that um, I just – Uh, participate with my time on something just to learn. I mean, I, I, for five months, I sort of stepped in as interim president for a company in the Ukraine that was in the live (laughs) video space because my kids are watching video games on, you know, video game uh, uh, recordings on YouTube and I don't understand it. (laughs) And I've never worked in Eastern Europe. And so I got a twofer in terms of learning (laughs) uh, and, and just stepped into that for five months. So, Um, my passion can bounce around, uh, and so it's not once, but what does have to happen is there has to be, uh, that, that, that sea of change, something different. It can just be operating in an old school industry because I think at the core of me, uh, is someone that likes to build, create, deal them that ambiguity. Yeah. Um, half of my head is in product and the other half is in go to market. Mm. And so it has to live in that space. Yeah.
0: You know, you were talking about family and relationships and stuff. We, you know, personally, we all hold values and values way different than mindset I've Been talking about this a little bit on my podcast with people about values versus mindset. So values are something that doesn't really shift. Mindset can shift. So these values that, um, you know, you hold, how have your values played a role in your choices that you've made over time? I, I think, uh, when I think back to mass relevance
1: and and we sort of formed our values and actually made up words, um, and some of those values really represent me, mm-hmm. uh, as you'd imagine. Uh, and and what com- were some of the words? Well, one was transopency. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, it, you know this idea of being transparent. So you but made also up being words. Open. Oh yeah, we made up <laughs> words. We made. I, I do that all the time. Yeah. And My wife is a. Uh, Catches me for it, but I understand what I'm saying, and sure. you probably understand what I'm saying. Uh, if I say transopency, you get the idea of what I'm saying. Is like to be transparent, a state of being. Be, to, to 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 the opency part of it is sort of being more active and being open and sharing. Um, so go, going back to the sort of that contextualizing, like everything we do, we will be um, open and transparent. Um, yeah. Agility speed was sort of the the ability to adapt. Um, but move quickly and execute quickly. Um, you know those that was a value we held mm. strongly. so uh, so and that reflects back on me is like I, I believe you like for um moving quickly, uh, you can do eighty percent to someone's hundred and twenty percent, but if you move twice as fast, you will be more impactful. Yeah. so just just the ability to execute and get things out, minimally viable product, um just you know, you and I were at Dell and, and, and there was so much time spent doing PowerPoints for internal audiences <laughs> when, when the only impact we can make is if we get things out. So yeah. when I went to Bazaar Voice, I made it a point with my team. I go, I don't want more than one page of an explanation of anything. I don't want decks. <laughs> I want everything to be outward focused, everything yeah. to be out in the market. And so, uh, yeah, being open, moving quickly. Those are some, some
0: values. It's a, it's a very relational way of of even getting product to market, right? Yeah. Because you're you're getting instant feedback from people and you're not creating in a in a lab somewhere and hoping you understand your customer. So you can't. Uh, this is probably where this comes from as well too is is you your knowledge and expertise around marketing and connecting with people. But it's all very yeah.
1: relational. I got into marketing when I was in college. I watched a video of uh, Levi's doing the um I think it was Levi's, uh, a leisure suit <laughs> focus group <coughs> and how they put it out there and then people didn't like it and they adapt. And the, like that in and out, that cycle of yeah. input-output, I think, is at the core of why I like marketing and product. Yeah, And the faster I move that, and that's why, you know, with Clearhead, it was an A-B split testing company at mm. the core of it. We're testing hypothesis. And that's and satisfying. Put something out there, does, does it work? No, try something else. Yeah. And just moving that quickly is, is a huge value
0: to be successful. Yeah. If you could go back to 20 year old Sam and tell him something now with all the knowledge that you have, what would you, what would you tell him?
1: Uh, take bigger risks, be more bold. I think I'm always like, I want to have it something down. Like even as a kid, I would read 30 books on, I wanted to be (laughs) helicopter pilot. Everything I wanted to be as a kid was very adrenaline oriented. And, <laughs> I, and I would study it to the nth degree to, to feel like I had it down. Yeah. Um but to my point of just, you know, going out there and executing and seeing the reaction um and then recycling that, uh, you can be bolder in those decisions that you put out there. Yeah. So I would have said that. I think I was fortunate. It when I started my career, it's probably twenty-three actually coming out of college. Um, I started to work for Apple. Within two months, we spun off our department into a startup. (laughs) And at that ripe age, I became a vice president of a startup. Oh, wow. And that mindset, you talked about mindset. There was a shift for me that occurred from an entry-level employee to a vice president of a startup. And I had to play the part. And (laughs) I, you know, so therefore I rose to that occasion. And two years later, I wrote my first book. It's like, you, Were you wearing a laser suit? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think we'd pass. It was an old video, but I was wearing baggy jeans probably. So, uh, But it, but I think that when you can put yourself in a, in, we talked about sort of the painting and, and the museum. If you can look at yourself personally that way, is mm. is have a wider aperture of yourself and your capabilities and things. And then fill towards it. Yeah. There's this concept in psychology called the pygmalion effect. And mm-hmm. typically it's when leaders, managers, or parents they expect something of you and you rise to that. Yeah. Well, do you expect that of yourself? Yeah. And there's so much self-doubt in people that it's hard for oneself to to put that expectation higher for themselves. And I was just
0: thrust into it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point. How important is self awareness in you know, being a career entrepreneur, how important is that?
1: Uh, it, it, it is super important, but it, it takes more than that. It has to be a soup of ingredients and that's one of them. Because if, if, you can, if you're self-aware, but you have too much ego or, or you're not humble, you're not taking advice. Like mm. I can be self-aware of my strengths, but if I'm not willing, if I'm insecure and yeah. self-aware, I might not bring someone around me that fills my weaknesses you yeah. know, cause I'm threatened. Yeah. So self-awareness is absolutely, you know, the soup does not taste good without that, <laughs> but you need some other ingredients to be successful. And, uh, I remember when, when I was forming the leadership team at mass relevance, we had a lot of left brain introverted leaders. Mm. Um, I had one more extroverted co-founder, but I brought in a very extroverted right brain CMO to balance things out. Yeah, And, um, uh, there's this great book about Abraham Lincoln called The Team of Rivals and he actually brought in a very diverse set of even enemies mm. into his cabinet to be successful um and so you know on the back of my computer and my my car i have this sing- symbol of yin yang it's kind of the middle brain symbol it's kind of like you have to have contrasting opposites to be successful mm. so self awareness is a big part of it. That's the soup you're talking about. It's an ingredient in the soup. It's an ingredient in the soup. I think you you have to have, you have to be willing to take advice and seek out help and be able to lower the ego, Mm. you know, because by the way, when you first talked about getting through the tough times, when the ego is down, it doesn't hurt you as much. When the ego is too high and and you fail, you have a much bigger down. Right. You know, or you have a, disproportionately the, the cockiness is is playing a part and and you're masking what you truly need to see in the situation because you're falsifying where you're at mm. because you have so much ego you're so confident or you're so cocky. And I see that a lot too. And that's a lack of
0: self-awareness. Yeah, I, I sense a new book, Entrepreneurial Soup coming out. <laughs>
1: <soon>. <laughs> no, see, I, and, and this is part of life is I spent so many years traveling so much you know and I know the book game you know I write a book and travel and speak so so think about when I talk about playful it's this mix of things I'm interested in people I'm interested in working with spaces that I'll you know new things I'll learn that fits in with what I'm constructing in life and so it's an interesting um, calculus an algorithm trying to create with all that but what I know is I don't want to go on a book tour and go speak everywhere there you go (laughs) So well, Sam, it's always a
0: pleasure to sit down and talk with you. And thanks for joining the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.